Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Box Office Mojo Top 100 on today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? Yes, we have finally made it. This is the final part of my Box Office Mojo Top 100 uh, series. We are going to count down to the number one all-time grossing film. And I'm sure many of you listening already know what that is, but I would hazard, hazard a guess that the order of the top 10 and some of the films in the top 10 might actually surprise you. If you haven't taken a look at this list in a while, uh, it, it features, it actually does feature a film from 2017 on it currently, uh, but other than that film, it doesn't feature anything since 2015, so it has been quite some time since anything's really broken into the top 10, at least two years uh, for a while. Um, But before we get into that, really quick, uh, just to kind of update on some of the currently released films and where they are landing on this list. Uh, I mentioned in part nine that three new films had entered the list, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Wonder Woman, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Pirates was in 88th place last episode, or last Box Office Mojo episode, with $734 million. It is now in 72nd place, so 16 spots higher, with $775 million. Uh, So it has made another $41 million since that episode came out. Uh, So quite an improvement, and I'm kind of disappointed in my fellow human beings for paying so much money to see that movie. Uh, Likewise, Wonder Woman had made $746 million at the time and was ranked 80th. It has now made $788 million and is ranked 68th, so it has moved up 12 spots and gained $42 million, um, which I am very pleased that that is happening and that is taking place. It has made uh, about $1.5 to $2 million more domestically than it has made internationally, uh, but it's about 50-50 on the whole, and I think that's I'm, I'm <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love that. That's so great. Guardians of the Galaxy was number two, was ranked 54th overall, and it made $858.2 million. It has now made $860.7 million and is still in 54th place. Uh, so really no change there. However, there is one new film added to this list already in the time that it has taken us to uh, wait for this new episode to come out, and that is the Universal's Illumination animated film Despicable Me 3. This film has made $822.7 million, $230 million domestically, $592 million internationally, about a 28-72% split, and it is currently ranked 60th, which is mind-boggling. Uh, I, by, by, you know, by, side note, I have not seen this movie yet, so I'm and I plan to within 
in the next couple of days, hopefully, when I can find the time. Uh, but I, I just can't imagine it's worth that. But, I mean, having gone through this top 100 and probably like 110 at this point, it, it, there's just so many movies that aren't worth it on this list. And that's, I mean, credit to the advertising campaign and, and the IP itself and the franchise built around some of these characters, some of these stories, some of these books and whatnot. But I just... It's very disappointing. It's very disappointing. However, we're going to move on from all that and finally jump into our actual top 10 box office mojo all time worldwide grossing films. Starting at number 10, this is the 2017 film that is in the top 10. Uh, perhaps by process, process of elimination, you might have guessed what it is. It is the Buena Vista studio release that has made $1.26 billion, um, starring Emma Watson and Dan Stevens, among many others. It is Beauty and the Beast, Disney's live-action remake of their early 90s classic. And again, you know, I like this movie. I think it's good. I am I was happy to see it. I think there are a lot of good elements to it. But it's not worth this much money. I mean, geez, I can't believe that Beauty and the Beast is that much of a draw. Like... I don't know, like seven, eight hundred million dollars. I can totally see that as a more reasonable number, but for it to hit hundred, for it to hit a billion is incredible, and then to keep going another two hundred and sixty million after that is shocking. And I don't know. I'm not. I I can't yet quite tell if that's going to be the new normal for these kind of Disney reboots of, you know, like if we get, you know, when, when the next Jungle Book movie comes out, um, you know, the first one did 966. So, you know, that's a good starting point. And with Beauty and the Beast doing, you know, another 300 million on top of that, you know, what, where is the ceiling on this, this new stage for Disney films? Can they, I don't know what the next live-action Disney movie is going to be. Uh, I'm sure I could look it up, but I'm, I'm not going to. Whatever it is, I, I'd be shocked if it met even the number that Jungle Book did last year. I don't think it's going to do as well. I think that Jungle Book, Jungle Book really deserved this this gross, this this high of a gross over Beauty and the Beast. It is a far superior film, but. I think, man, just like playing on this nostalgia factor for Disney is financially incredibly lucrative. But I, I'm worried that it's going to end up being critically and 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 uh, stylistically rote and 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 mediocre and pushing these movies further from um, innovation, innovation and and things like that. So I, I'm. Definitely worried about that. I hope it's not the case. 
you know, I want these Disney movies to succeed. I loved them all as a kid for the most part. And I, I really want to see them do well going forward. So Beauty and the Beast from 2017 made $1,262,500,000, which is about a $24 million separation between it and Fate of the Furious, uh, both kind of locked in at 10 and 11 at this point, as uh, I believe all, both of them are completely out of theaters now. That's number 10. Moving on, number 9 is uh, the highest grossing animated film of all time. It is also a Disney film, and this is a 2013 release named Frozen. Yes, Frozen is that big of a gross grosser in, in, in money. It has made $1,276,500,000 uh, about $14 million more than Beauty and the Beast, uh, but with a slightly more international skewing uh, split, $400 million domestic, $875 million overseas, uh, so a 31 to 68% diff, uh, separation there. And that is a, a big, big number for an animated film. Um, you know, number two in the animated universe is Minions, which made about $120 million less than Frozen. I think Frozen's great. I like Frozen a lot. I think the songs are really good. Idina Menzel and Kristen Bell are fantastic. The sisters uh, in the world, and, and you've got just all these um, really cool scenes and and fun interactions between these characters that you know it felt kind of like disney hadn't hadn't figured out hadn't been doing for quite some time you know in the late aughts and early teens it was pixar dominated the animated world and this is and i think frozen is really the turning point in that story where Disney's animated studios actually began to overtake Pixar and has done so um, quite, you know, or at least like leveled the playing field, I would say. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'm glad for that. You know, I, 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 I'm not disappointed. I do, man, Pixar versus Disney is, is a really difficult question. I think they're both incredible and have put out some of the best films ever. But Frozen is more of a phenomenon than, like, the highest quality animated film ever made. And that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, definitely of the opinion that Tangled is better. I'm definitely of the opinion that Frozen is somewhat overrated at this point. Um, maybe not now. It definitely was at the time. I think it's definitely pun intended, cooled off since then. But there's definitely a lot of great heart to Frozen. I am excited for a sequel. I've seen all the short films associated with this movie, and uh, it's it's fun. It's a, it's a good, fun movie that kids enjoy, that families and parents enjoy, and I'm not going to take anything away from it in that regard. So number nine, Frozen, $1,276,000,000 dollars. 
and the highest grossing animated film of all time. Number eight is the final entry both in, in, in number and in, in sequence of a eight movie series in which all previous seven films are on this list lower than it. And naturally, the finale, the big finale, is the highest uh, grossing film of them all. This is a Warner Brothers film, the highest grossing film Warner Brothers has ever released uh, from 2011, and that is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. It has made $1,341,381,000,000 domestically, $960,000,000 overseas for a 28 to 71% split. And uh, the next highest grossing Harry Potter film is Sorcerer's Stone, uh, surprisingly enough, which made $974 million. So we're looking at a $400 million difference, uh, $350, give or take, which is huge. And, you know, that's kind of to be expected. You're not you know anybody who's seen these movies is going to show up for the final film and see it in theaters and that's not just the people who watched and were there at midnight on at midnight for every previous film to come out but it also includes the people who have discovered these movies on VHS on DVD uh, on streaming services like Netflix or, or HBO or Hulu or whatever they might be I don't even know like where if Harry Potter's ever been on those you know all of the Harry Potter movies like have been re-released in theaters and continued and it's he's it's continued to be such an incredible iconic character and iconic world that we've gone back to it you know we have fantastic beasts and where to find them which is also on this list and as much as I want to say how not completely satisfying part two of Deathly Hallows was for me I, I think it was somewhat I really was let down by the climax of that movie I do feel like they didn't fuck things up too badly you know there are there are, you know I could point to a lot of like finales in TV uh, or, or or other media where when every, every when every single thing is kind of on the line and you know it's it's kind of hinging on this one thing to kind of tie everything together that studios and creators and artists and writers and directors and actors some some people have dropped the ball so many times in those positions and while Deadly Hallows Part 2 has plenty of flaws and I'm happy to nitpick its problems uh, anytime, it does give you a good, good, good chunk of what you're looking for in this movie. You know, it has that huge final battle scene at Hogwarts. It has um, the sacrifice of Harry Potter to kill, to, you know, be the last Horcrux to die. It has Dumbledore coaching Harry in the, quote, afterlife. It has the final showdown between Harry and Voldemort one-on-one. -on -one. 
um, which is one of my biggest problems with the movie, but it has it nonetheless. It has Molly Weasley calling Helena Bonham Carter a bitch. Uh, and, and, you know, some of these moments are so cathartic, so satisfying that, you know, I'm not surprised that this movie grossed that much more than its next highest counterpart. So it's it's nice it's it's a it's refreshing and it's great to see all these movies on this list particularly because i think they're all good if not uh most of them also being great as well and i'm i'm just it's just good it's happy you know where you look at another series like ice age like fast and the furious like transformers and how all of those movies are also on this list it's it's pleasing to see movies that are high quality, you know, being represented monetarily and, and having viewers vote on them with their wallets and, and it makes me happy. It makes me happy. So number eight, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, highest grossing Harry Potter film, highest grossing Warner Brothers film with one billion three hundred and forty one million dollars. Number seven is uh, another Buena Vista Disney Umbrella Corporation film. Um, and we have two more to go after that. This is a Marvel movie from 2015. It is the second highest grossing Marvel film uh, to date. And it made $1,405,000,000 worldwide, 459 domestically. 946 overseas for a t and, and that is Avengers Age of Ultron uh, after the incredible success of the first Avengers film uh, clearly there was going to be another one where you get your Captain, your Hulk your Iron Man, your Thor uh, all back together in the same place your Black Widow uh, and, and like all the side characters are just squished together and this film introduced uh, vision to the world, and that was nice. You got your Quicksilver and your Marvel's version of Quicksilver, your Scarlet Witch, and Ultron himself. And I remember when I saw the trailers and previews for Ultron, I was con I'd convinced myself that Marvel had finally found a villain comparable to. Heath Ledger's Joker. And my reason was that I think the voice of... Oh, I'm not going to think of his name now, am I? Oh, man. James Spader. I think James Spader has a fantastic voice, and I, I love him as the voice of Ultron. And it looked from the trailers and obviously trailers can be misleading but it looked from the trailers that this was finally going to be a, a villain with a lot of relevance and agency who was going to push the avengers in a into a position that was difficult that was going to be have lingering effects he you know he seemed incredibly powerful but when i went and saw the movie and it's still a fine movie but it's definitely a lower tier Marvel film, in my opinion. But Ultron himself, whether it was the writing or the plot conventions, just was not menacing enough, did not 
elicit the same results and, and feelings that you get from Heath Ledger's Joker. And I, you know, he wasn't even Loki. He, you know, he was, uh, he, he wasn't, you know, he, he ended up being a kind of one note villain again. And, uh, you know, Marvel once again missed, misfired with uh, this, this story. And it, it was just such a frustrating experience, you know, you couldn't help but be excited by the movie because it's an Avengers movie, and whether or not it's structurally sound, whether or not it's actually uh, accomplishing telling an incredible and and worthy and compelling story, at the end of the day, it's got all these Avengers in it. It's got all these Marvel characters that most people like grew up with, many people love or love to hate in some capacity played by some of the best actors out there who by this point are so ingrained in their roles that they are these people almost literally in some cases they are and in other cases they're just it's it's almost a, a second life for them and that's always going to be fun you know whether infinity war is as successful as civil war or or winter soldier is you know, it's still going to be a hell of a lot of fun because you're going to have all these characters again re reunited in the same place with even more characters to add to the layers, more interactions between these characters we've already seen time and time again. And that's like half of the reason people go to see these movies. Unfortunately, Age of Ultron was a huge letdown on the other half of the reason, which is we want to see really cool action, we want to see really cool stories, we want to see cool villains, and I want to, want to see them really cripple the world and like make people bend on their knees like Loki did. We want to see someone chew the scenery and just enjoy what they're doing so much. And that's not what we got from James Spader's Ultron at the, at the end of the day. And so I was very disappointed. I I'm still waiting for that Marvel villain to really rival uh, the Joker in Dark Knight. You know, it doesn't have to be like an Academy Award caliber performance by any stretch. It just needs to be, you know, we had Loki. I think Loki is really close to what I'm looking for as far as like high quality villain. But I do think that, that Marvel can go bigger and better. Maybe that's Thanos. I'm kind of really hesitant to, to say anything like that. I, I think, I, I don't know, I, I just get the sense that I'm going to be really let down by, by Thanos when it's all said and done. I love Josh Brolin, but he's, I don't know, we just don't have enough of, we've, we've seen some of it, and that's the biggest problem. We haven't seen like Thanos really do anything, but we've seen him, and he's doing nothing, and that really bothers me. So, again, I'm 100% going to see the movie one way or another. I just don't know. I'm sure it'll, I mean, I'm sure it'll break a billion dollars worldwide, but I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to continue a downward trend, like as the Avengers franchises, franchise has uh, been going, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Avengers Age of Ultron, number seven, $1,405,000,000, 2015 release.
great. Number six is a Universal Pictures film that made $1,516,000,000, million domestically, $1,163,000,000 overseas. Huge overseas number. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the third highest overseas number. Uh, and that's a 23 to 76% split. This movie is the 2015 release Furious 7. Uh, the 2015 was an incredible year. Four of the top 10 films came out that year. And this is only the second of two. So Avengers of Ultron, Furious 7, and two more films from that year are, are in this top 10. And Furious 7 is definitely one of the better Fast and the Furious movies. I think 5, 6, and 7 are the best of them. I think outside of those three, you've got a, lot, a huge drop in quality. But Furious 7, I enjoyed quite a bit. I think they kind of went over the top with the stunts, which in some aspects was really enjoyable, a lot of fun. On the other side, I it became... It really pushed this move, these this franchise into a silliness level that was tough to kind of reconcile, and I think they went a little too far with that in Fate of the Furious. As far as like turning these people into superheroes, they're not superheroes. I don't want them to be superheroes. You know, I need like that's the problem with Marvel films. There's no stakes. I need to think there's actually stakes. And once you elevate Dom his crew to the level of superheroes I no longer feel like there's stakes and it shouldn't and this may sound crass but it shouldn't take a real life death of one of the actors for one of the characters to like suffer consequences in these movies and you know I love Paul Walker I really miss him from this franchise and I think his send-off in Furious 7 was great uh, but ultimately I do feel as though you know, I feel like now, I don't know, I wonder if, uh, if, if Universal is kind of concerned, we're worried that something like that's going to happen again, you know, they had, what, Scott Eastwood in Fate of the Furious, he's terrible, like, we don't want to see him ever again, you know, this franchise has got to be built around Vin Diesel and The Rock, and kind of everybody else is sort of playing a bit character, and, 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 that's, you know, a movie that does not make. Uh, somehow it has made a franchise that has grossed multiple billions of dollars, you know, like five plus billions of dollars just off their box office receipts, which is insane. Absolutely, like, insane. And I, I don't know. I don't know what I want for the Fast and the Furious 9, I think, you know, people keep saying, like, go to space, go to do this, go to this, do this, do this, do this. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I kind of want them to localize this thing a little bit more, you know? Like, some of the best scenes in Fate of the Furious were more tightly constrained, more, um, you know, they weren't, definitely were not the scenes with the submarine in, in, like, the Arctic Ocean. Like, no, I don't. That wasn't what I wanted to see that movie for. I enjoyed the scenes 
with Dom trying to outwit his crew when they're like chasing him in I think it was New York. Like those were better action scenes for me. And so I want more of that to come. And you know, maybe they're going to run out of ideas, maybe they can't think of more innovative and interesting ways to stage a car chase anymore, but got to be something like i'd rather not see one of these movies than have it be fast and the furious in space or or fast and the furious through time or you know something to that effect so i like furious 7 i was a bit down on fate of the furious uh, but this is the highest grossing fast and the furious movie again 1 billion 500 million dollars worldwide just absolutely incredible ticket box office receipts for this movie um yeah so number six overall as of right now entering the top five we uh start out with the highest grossing marvel film of all time released in 2012 grossing one billion five hundred eighteen point eight million dollars just $2 million more than Furious 7, $623 million domestically, $895 million overseas, a 41-59% split is Marvel's The Avengers, starring everybody in the MCU at that point. Uh, Marvel's The Avengers was a film unlike anything else that had been released. It had the star power and cast to rival anything that anyone had ever put out before. You know, any of those stupid, like, Valentine's Day movies and things like that. Nothing. Nothing compared to Marvel's The Avengers. <clears throat> and that was then, now, when all those people are even bigger and uh, more famous and worth more money. That is a huge and huge cast, huge gets from, from that studio. The culmination of the world that they were building, you know, the first time we really got to see all these characters interact, uh, and, and the film that kind of would set the Marvel franchise on the path that it is currently on. It also happens to feature the best villain in a Marvel film in Loki, which I've already kind of gone through and talked about when we went through Age of Ultron. Marvel's Avengers was the biggest breath of fresh air. You know, I loved it. I thought it was incredible when I first saw it. And I still think it's great. I still think it's really, really good. Um, I've tempered my feelings on the on the film. Just a few points on the spreadsheet. You know, it was originally, I believe it is 96. But I think I've dropped into more of the low 90 range now. So still very high. I think it's my second favorite Marvel film to date. Uh, let me double check that um, really quickly. Avengers. Uh, fourth, actually. Um, it takes its takes a backseat to Iron Man, Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, still an incredible film, and its achievement is more notable than anything else you know none of the movies on this list save for Avengers Age of Ultron save for Captain America Civil War really do what Marvel's The Avengers is doing and 
that in and of itself is fantastic and a wonderful thing. Uh, the movie was incredibly well received by fans and, uh, you know, decriers alike. It is an enjoyable romp. It is humorous. It is funny. It has great character beats. I think every person in this movie gets their own moment to shine. Uh, you have Joss Whedon at the helm who knows these characters incredibly well. And none of them feel out of place with each other. And that's kind of what we wanted. You know, you know, whatever the story might have been, we wanted to just see Captain America and Iron Man and Black Widow and Nick Fury and Thor and the Hulk and... Uh, all these people interacting with each other. That's ultimately what we wanted to see. The fact that we got that and we got a good story with strong character beats, strong moments, and, you know, a, for the most part, very tight script, in my opinion, is a marvel, pun intended, uh, to say the least. So, I'm a big fan of Marvel's The Avengers. Big fan of Marvel, big fan of this movie, and while I think Age of Ultron is a significant letdown from the Avengers' first outing, I will say that I I want Infinity War to feel, feel more like the first Avengers movie, but with the newer characters included, and I hope that that's the route they go. Um, so I, I'm I'm really glad you know this was a move this was a movie that you know 10 years before it comes out before iron man was even released you know if you if you're predicting that this is a possibility it's going to make billions of dollars and that's exactly what happened one and a half billion dollars and you know it never looked back you know the mcu is is thriving right now and it's going to continue to thrive. You know, I'm incredibly excited for Black Panther. I think that's going to be amazing. Thor Ragnarok looks looks really fun too. And um, I expect to see some of those movies on this top ten, up this on this top 100 list in the months to come. So that's number five with one and a half billion dollars. Marvel's The Avengers, the highest grossing MCU film to date. And uh, the second highest grossing Buena Vista film to date. Number four is the highest grossing Universal film uh, at the moment. It is our third film in the top ten that was released in 2015. And it grossed $1,671,000,000. So $150 million more than The Avengers. And uh, it is uh, the summer hit Jurassic World. Uh, easily the most mediocre film in this top 10 list, in my opinion, and the only one that I would say isn't a good film. Uh, Jurassic World, starring Chris Pratt, is uh, just... It's, this fan it's, it's a phenomenal like thing that that happened here it opened to one of the greatest opening weekends of all time uh, and proceeded to have the some of the biggest success at the box office ever and i don't know i don't remember 
back then if I was as uh, if I was as focused on box office earnings as I, I was am now. And so I don't remember just how much it exceeded the expectations. I don't know if people were really predicting it to hit like 120, 130, 140, 150 million dollar opening weekend. Um, but you know, it, it the fact that it grossed 200 million dollars opening weekend, you know, highest gross of all time, is is just absurd, absolutely absurd, um, and. Uh, you know, it, it it proceeded to break a hundred million the next weekend as well, um, which also featured the highest-grossing number two film of all time, which was Inside Out, which was just released that year. So, or that weekend rather is what I meant. So Jurassic World, you know, I went and saw it as a part of a triple feature, actually. Um, a couple weeks after it came out, I had heard the reviews. They were generally pretty mixed. You know, I'm a big fan of Chris Pratt. I'm a huge fan of Jurassic Park. And I was excited for this movie. But it's kind of a letdown. You know, it tries to innovate the franchise by opening the park. And as much as I think that's a decent direction to take the franchise, it ultimately did not uh, pay dividends as far as... Um, narrative construction is concerned the fact that they had to like hybridize a dinosaur to make this park interesting and in turn what they really mean is to make the franchise interesting is ludicrous uh we we will we as the viewing paying public don't care about the indominus rex put any dinosaur you want in there and we're gonna go see it now i don't know if it makes 1.6 billion dollars without the indominus rex it sure as hell would have hit a billion based on this trajectory one way or the other. So I wish it had been written better. Um, Chris Pratt training Velociraptors looks amazing and seems like the coolest thing ever. It doesn't get fully explained in the movie. Uh, there's a lot of mustache twirling villains. There's a lot of criticism about this movie. A lot of problems. A lot of nitpicking to be done which is frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. You know, this is an incredibly huge blockbuster and uh, it's it's resting on some pretty precarious uh, supports, supports, which ultimately, I think, crumble when you further inspect them. And that's the biggest problem I have with Jurassic World. I have only seen it once, so I never revisited it. Uh, I don't expect it to really stay in the public's eye for very long. I don't think it's going to be part of the zeitgeist, the social construct zeitgeist ever. Um, you know, when they finally put out Jurassic World 2 or whatever the sequel's titled, I don't. I would be surprised if it makes half what this movie made, um, unless it's like a critically lauded uh, film. But I don't know. I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. Um, I, I haven't really looked into who's who's behind the camera, who wrote it. But I, I'd be, I don't know. I, I don't have, I don't feel like confident about that franchise going forward, which is a shame because Jurassic Park is one of the best movies of all time. And Jurassic World is a, 
a pale, pale imitation. So that's number four, Jurassic World, Universal's highest grossing film of all time, uh, with $1.67 billion worldwide. Um, the third film released in 2015 in the top 10, and now the fourth film released in the 20 in 2015 in the top 10 is numbered is ranked third overall. Buena Vista's highest grossing film of all time, Disney's highest grossing film of all time, and one of the three films ever released to have grossed over $2 billion. And, asterisk, the only one of the three that has not been re-released in theaters. Uh, which is significant, you know. This is a film that came out in 2015. Uh, it has made $2,068,000,000 it made it has made the most money domestically out of any film ever with 936 million dollars nearly hitting that 1 billion mark domestically it made 1.1 billion dollars overseas so about a 45 55 split in that regard and that is star wars the force awakens everyone and their mother came out to see this movie and back in uh, December of 2015, I was there, and it was a huge breath of fresh air after the disappointing uh, pre uh, prequels that were released in the early aughts. It, all this movie really had to do was not be shitty, and it certainly was not shitty. It had the feel and look of old Star Wars with the effects and visuals of new Star Wars, it featured new characters, it featured a female lead, and everyone was in love. It featured a stormtrooper that became a good guy who was also black. It had Han and Chewie again. It had uh, everything. It had the Millennium Falcon. It had 3PO and R2-D2. It had a new droid that was the most adorable thing ever, BB-8. And it had... Um, uh, 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 what's his name? Mm, I can see his face. Uh, Isaacs, uh, whatever Isaacs. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, fine, I'll just look it up. It had Oscar Isaac, Isaac, uh, and it had you know Kylo Ren with the cross hilt lightsaber, which was a huge controversy thing. Um, I'm sure a couple people went to this movie just to see if there was a reason for that. I love Adam Driver as uh, Kylo Ren. I thought he was, like, really good in that role. And, you know, I don't need Kylo Ren to be Darth Vader. I don't need him to feel like Darth Vader. I just want him to be... I want him to be a different kind of villain. And he is a different kind of villain. He's like a disgruntled teenager. And I think that works. Um, wait a second. Oh. I misled you. Uh, it is so. Um, sorry. Uh, the highest, largest opening weekend was not Jurassic World. It's Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I don't know what I was looking at. I know what I was looking at. I was looking at something. So, uh, Jurassic World, Marvel's The Avengers, Star Wars: The Force Awakens are the three films that have had the largest opening weekend of all time. They're the only three films to have broken two hundred million dollars opening weekend. Jurassic World, 208. Marvel's Avengers, 207. Force Awakens, 247. Which ended up being about a fourth of its total domestic gross. 
uh, Jurassic World and Marvel's Avengers closer to a third of their final grosses. And um, meanwhile, uh, however, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, da, 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 da. so Force Awakens, I loved it. I thought it's a fantastic movie. I don't think it's better than any of the three original films. I do think it's better than all the three new films. I do think it's better than Rogue One. Uh, I was kind of more lukewarm on Rogue One than most people. I still really liked it, though. Uh, so Force Awakens is just another piece in the incredibly insane puzzle that is 2015's huge box office receipts. Uh, it was an incredible year for movies as far as finances go. Um, and it's a really good year for movies uh, otherwise as well. And with... And I think Force Awakens is definitely a movie that's going to be in the conversation and the zeitgeist for a while. You know, everyone is highly anticipating Last Jedi. I'm not sure it's going to explode at the box office to the extent that Force Awakens did, but it certainly could. Uh, you know, if, if Last Jedi breaks a billion dollars domestically, that would be a huge landmark. You know, Force Awakens was the first film to do to break eight hundred thousand dollars to eight hundred million dollars domestically let alone nine hundred and i think that you know the star wars franchise is uh is in a great place right now and they're not really wanting for money so i was happy i think it's an incredibly fun movie even i watched i've seen it twice in total and it was just as fun the second time as it was the first time so it doesn't really matter to me that it's kind of a retread of new hope um you know, obviously that's kind of part of why it doesn't have a better score on my spreadsheet and like it's only in the 80s it doesn't break the 90s for me but it's just it's so fun it's so enjoyable i love the characters they're all they all feel so natural from the get-go which is really difficult when you have you know people like john boyega and Daisy Ridley, who aren't established names, who people don't really know or recognize from anything. But I'm, I'm very pleased with, with what has happened to them, and I hope that uh, Last Jedi can be just as good. I hope. So that's number three, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Episode 7. Uh, the highest grossing film from Studio Buena Vista, with a $2,068,000,000 worldwide gross. Our number two highest grossing film of all time with a total box office receipt of $2 billion, $186 million, $800,000 released in 1997. The first film since Jurassic Park, um, which is number 24, uh, to be released prior to 2000. Uh, maybe even later than that, like 2007, 2003, Return of the King, 2003. Yeah, the first the first film to be released before 2003, uh, moving up from Jurassic Park at number 24, from Paramount Studios, their highest grossing film of all time, with $658 million domestic and $1.5 billion overseas, a 30-70 split 
we have none other than Titanic, uh, nominated tied for the most Academy Award nominations of all time. Uh, tied, I believe, for the most Academy Award wins of all time as well with 11. Uh, Titanic is an incredibly long movie with an incredibly um, notable and recognizable story with leads Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Titanic is just an absolute feast for the eyes. Um, you know, it's a film that you see the future, you see the ending of it coming. You know, like everyone knows the Titanic was like the greatest ship ever and could not have possibly sunk and then it did. And that's, you know, a truly tragic story in and of itself that um, is just absolutely terrifying to think about. Like, the most, the most, uh, I don't know how to, like, describe it. Like, it's it's a great experience. It's, it's a world unlike any other. Uh, it's, you know, it's James Cameron director and writer who completely absolutely completely like owns this film from start to finish you know he has made some incredible films in the past and they're all very innovative he does a lot of incredible things with with behind the camera and and behind the pen and this film is an incredibly long romance which isn't exactly you know Cameron's style but then you look at the the size and and girth of the ship of Titanic, and that in and of itself is is kind of hallmark James Cameron. Like that scope is precisely like what he does, and it, it, it's 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 pretty ridiculous. You know, people were going to see this movie time and time and time again. Uh, it, it consistently, uh, it, it just, it made bundles and bundles of money. And this is, this is the most incredible thing about this movie. So like I was saying about Force Awakens and about Jurassic World, these films that are, that have made billions of dollars, they opened to like 200, $200 million opening weekends. The opening weekend gross for Titanic was $28 million, followed by $35 million. 33 million, 28 million, 30 million, 25, 25, 23, 28, 21, 19, 17, 17, 17, 15, 11, 8, 7, 4, 4, 3, 2, 2, 1, 1, 1, and then on down. And like that's that's not how it works. Like, you know, like that's not how it works. Like the, the movies just don't do that. This was number one for 15 straight weeks. I, I, I'm pretty confident that that's a record, although there might have been an older movie that did something similar. That feels like it has to be a record. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at something like, like it's, it's daily box office grosses just fluctuated wildly. Like it was number one every day that it was released until 
Like it was released December eight, uh, December nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven. It took until let's see if um, find it any time quickly. Uh, we're not sure about some of these dates here. Um, it looks like it looks like th this weekend in April, maybe. Let me see. In April, I think it will finally, finally let go. Yeah. So it seems to be, seems to me, based on Box Office Mojo and what they're telling me, that it isn't until the April third um, weekend that uh, that <laughs> that Titanic lost a day. Like it wasn't until Lost in Space came out that Titanic lost a day whatsoever. And that's just an unprecedented like ser series of, of weekends and days and, and, and like the amount of money this movie made is insane. Like it's it comes out this year for the first time, like with updated special effects and all that, like it probably doesn't even make five hundred million dollars. You know, like that's a completely different time, a completely different set of circumstances. And, you know, I guess at that point, you know, people really just needed that sort of love, that sort of romance in the air. They needed to feel the way Leonardo DiCaprio felt painting Kate Winslet. He need, they needed to feel that sort of debaucherous, um, behind-the-scenes, in-the-shadows passion in a sort of kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of way, but also with, like, the peril of the end of their world around them with the sinking of Titanic. Like the movie makes that really feel like Titanic is this own world and ecosystem that exists separate from the rest of humanity. And that's like a huge testament to James Cameron's abilities as a director to pull that off. And so the other aspect of this is that you have this 1997 film that it grossed an insane amount of money and you know look like like i said you know year after year after year we had all these films come out that didn't even touch titanic uh you know the next next film to like even come close was the return of the king which made 1.1 billion almost half of titanic's total gross and that was 6 years later and you know no one else is even like coming close like it broke Jurassic Park's record at the time, which was $1 billion-ish about, it, like, completely demolished it. And the overseas market for this film was just insane, insane. One and a half billion dollars? Like, that's, it's, it's overseas market alone was higher than uh, the Avengers' total worldwide gross. You know, its overseas market would be ranked fifth overall. And that's just staggering. And, you know, I like Titanic. I think it's a great movie. I think it's, depending on who you ask, I think it's either over or underrated. Um, I think I, I kind of fall a little to the higher end of the spectrum, but definitely not in line with some of the people who are just completely gung-ho obsessed over the movie. But in, in it, and whole like I, I really I enjoyed it like I didn't even see the film in 
for for years you know i i missed it when it first came out i wasn't really into film at that time in the same way i am now and it took me until 2011 to finally see this movie and i really like it i think it's really good uh it's it's far from my favorite movie though and i don't i don't have any problems with that i think there's nothing wrong with it being not the best movie but I don't know, like, I just, I wish I had been more aware of, of cinema at that time to really feel why that was such an exciting movie for everybody to go see, um, you know, and maybe I'll ask my grandparents about it, because, like, they were definitely there, I don't know if they saw it in theaters or not, uh, so I'm actually gonna, I'm probably gonna ask them, and, and kind of see what their take on that sort of fever pitch uh, really was. So that's Titanic, second overall, all time, with $2,186,000,000 from 1997. Uh, The highest grossing film ever released by Paramount. And that just leaves the number one film of all time. With a total worldwide gross of two billion seven hundred and eighty-eight million dollars, six hundred million dollars more than Titanic. So, a- an entire like Doctor Strange worth higher than Titanic in terms of total gross. Seven hundred and sixty million dollars domestic, two billion dollars overseas. So, like it's. So if Titanic's overseas uh, box office gross by itself was fifth, Av- this film, Avatar, I, I let it slip. Avatar is number one, Avatar. Avatar's overseas domestic uh, overseas gross would be ranked fourth and would be very close to have knocking off Star Wars The Force Awakens, which seems ludicrous, seems crazy. Like, And, and I've listened to, uh, you know, probably I'm sure like some, most of you have li- listened to uh, the Slash Filmcast, uh, which I enjoy. I listen to it. And they've talked about Avatar and its cultural and social relevance, um, you know, eight years after its release and how no one really talks about it. No one really quotes the movie. No one knows any of the names of the characters or what happens. They flippantly refer to it as a hybrid Pocahontas, Fern Gully movie. And, to, and you know, those are not wrong and, and incorrect or incorrect statements. It is largely forgotten in a sense. It has been looked over and it's the, the buzz and acclaim it had at the time no longer exists. You know, people don't quite enjoy it as much as they used to. And to be honest, you know, I haven't seen the movie in, in a long time. You know, I saw it twice in theaters. I've seen it three times overall. I haven't seen it since 2010. Uh, and I know and I'm aware that there are, you know, four sequels down the pipeline from Cameron to come out in the next seven to eight to nine years or so or however, whatever. And I'm incredibly excited for those sequels. Like, I, I feel alone in that. And, you know, it's not that I think Avatar is the greatest movie ever. I don't. I think it's... I think it's an amazing movie, uh, you know, technically it's beautiful and like the world 
Cameron created is gorgeous and vibrant and just a, a treat to look at. I, I could, you know, that's the biggest reason I like the movie. Like, it's so beautiful. And, you know, Sam Worthington, take or leave it, you know, he's no Leo. Um, and he's generally outacted by everyone around him. Uh, but he he is, he's like, he is literally an avatar in the movie. He is not there to be this best actor nominee. He's not there to... Um, you know, to be a powerhouse, to be a tour de force. He is there to be a surrogate, like a like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. He is not. He is someone we can see the world through his eyes. You know, he is an outsider in in the in Pandora. He is sort of learning things as we are, and and that's you know that's a movie convention, a trope uh, that that is frequent in the film, but in in many films, but. It works for me. I, I don't. It works for me. I like seeing this movie. I like watching this movie, and I think it's it's deserves more respect than I think people give it nowadays. It is an, an incredible, incredible accomplishment and achievement, and it, it it's it's. I don't know. It's it's interesting to know how poorly it's become, sort of remembered. And so I kind of I went through like how insane Titanic's weekend grosses were. And if you're not like if you don't pay attention, if you don't play fantasy movie league, you know this doesn't really affect you that much. I would say you don't really maybe you don't like really see how crazy these things are but you know the like general rule of thumb is like a movie drops maybe 30 to 50 percent from one weekend to the next and you know you had titanic dropping under 20 percent every weekend in gaining weekends like that's insane and avatar you know it started out a lot better off than titanic did and it it, it had some pretty amazing holds as well, so it started out with a 77 million opening weekend, uh, which translated into a 75 million second weekend. So it lost one percent. Then weekend three, still number one, 68 million. Weekend four, 50 million, number one. Weekend five, 42 million, um, or 54 if you include the three-day weekend, still number one. Still number one in, six, in its sixth week at 34. Still number one in its seventh week at 31 million. It, it just, it was a juggernaut, you know, at that point, it had already worked, uh, you know, racked up $600 million domestically, um, and who knows how much worldwide, before it finally, finally got knocked off its perch by Dear John, of all movies, <laughs> Dear John, uh, so that's interesting, um, yeah, not exactly the movie I was expecting to see there, but, you know, to each their own. And, you know, the movie continued, like, it surged after that and gained back up to, like, 20, like, it gained a million dollars the weekend following. Uh, and it, it just continued to make money hand over fist. So, like I said, like, Avatar... 
it's tough. It's a tough one. You know, I, I fully understand and sympathize with the people who think that it didn't deserve to make all that money. You know, it's it's only sort of cultural relevance is the, the 3D that Cameron innovated into that film, into that world, uh, which, you know, is, is it's splendid. It's fantastic. And I, I loved that he kind of changed the game with that film. But when it's all said and done, there are, you know, you, you, you be able to run into someone who doesn't have a, doesn't know any of the character names in Avatar, doesn't know any of the, like, lines from Avatar, you know? And I, I'm pretty sure the main character is Jake, I want to say. Um... Jake Sully, looking up right now. Uh, Zoe Saldana played Neytiri. Sigourney Weaver played Dr. Grace Augustine. Stephen Lang, Colonel Quaritch. Michelle Rodriguez, Trudy Chacon. Giovanni Rabisi, Selfridge. Joel David Moore played Norm Spellman. CCH Pounder played Moat. Uh, you know, you've got characters like Neytiri. I'm, like, I remember Jake. I did not remember Neytiri or, or Dr. Grace Augustine or any of these other character names. But, like, I'm looking through, I'm on Letterboxd, looking through some of the reviews here. Um, you know, you got this one review, it's given one and a half stars, and he's saying, you know, look, I, I, first time I saw it, I thought it was a masterpiece and gave it four stars. And, like, that's how a lot of people were. And now they've since really, really dropped on this movie. And... You know, people don't really remember the Navi and, and they don't, they remember maybe the like, the tail sex, hair sex thingy shit that happened. So, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a film that kind of fluctuates up and down, up and down, up and down. And... I don't know, maybe I just need to watch it again. Maybe I do need to watch it again, not on my laptop that I have, hopefully on a bigger screen than that. Um, so it might be some time before I can like buy a new TV or something, but um, I'll add that to the list of films I definitely need to rewatch because I it's currently got a 90 on my spreadsheet and an 83 as of the last time I looked at its Rotten Tomatoes score, which I will now check one final time. Um, because I don't know, no, still 83 you know, and, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll, if, when I, if I get to that chance, that top point, I will probably do a review episode for it, and, uh, we'll see, highest grossing film of all time, does it live up to that name, and, like, right now, I'm saying yes, but so many people are out there shouting, no, it doesn't, that it's deafening, and, uh, I kind of have to reinforce the fact that my opinion is valid, I guess. So, number one, Avatar, $2,788,000,000. The 2009 release that has made Fox is the most highest grossing film of all time, highest grossing film for Fox, um, and uh, presumably the highest grossing film for, for for the foreseeable future. I don't, I don't know when it's going to be overthrown. 
Like that's an insane number to meet. You know, Star Wars The Force Awakens was seemed like a good contender to get there and it missed by $700 million. Like that's insane. That's a huge number. So we'll see. Um, now that I've finished the box office mojo top 100, um, I do think that every like maybe once a year or, or maybe more frequently depending on the films that come out, I'll kind of re-examine this page, see what's entered the list, where it's at, um, see if any other movies can break into the top one, top 10. I would venture a guess to say that for the next every year going forward, there's going to be a new movie in the top 10. I think that's an incredibly likely occurrence. Uh, especially thinking like, I bet that there's going to be at least a, mo a like a handful of movies every year now going forward that are going to break a billion dollars. So um, it's going to be interesting to see like what those are and like what's like what's the next Titanic? What's the next Avatar? These like brand new movies that aren't based on Star Wars or Jurassic Park or Marvel or Fast and the Furious or Harry Potter. You know what's the next thing that's going to have this incredible impact on the movie going audiences and uh, I don't know we'll we'll find out thank you thank you so much for listening we have finally finished this series the box office mojo top 100 series uh, I, I appreciate you sticking it out with me through to the end uh, if you have any comments concerns questions or answers if you want to ask for request a movie if you want to just send me feedback if you want to uh, I don't know anything at all send those things to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you're interested in the spreadsheet and me and the podcast, other episodes, the Circle of Film Awards, the Scavenger Hunt Superlatives, that and much more, go to the website, circleoffilm.com. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say that you. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.